When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Adam, who's your favourite Rangers player? Ooh, it has to be captain, leader, king of the wing, all-round great guy, James Tavernier. And what would you say if I could offer you a signed, framed James Tavernier shirt from this season? How much would you spend on a quality piece of memorabilia like that? Oh, I can't even think of a number. I would say at least £1,000. Well, did you know that if you were to go onto footballprizes.co.uk, you'd be able to enter in a draw for £4.95 to be able to buy a ticket to be entered into a raffle to win said shirt? How many tickets can I buy? Well, that's the thing. There's 99 tickets uh, available, folks. So if you head on over to footballprizes.co.uk and go into their competitions tab, you will see a signed and framed James Tavernier uh, shirt. Uh, there is an opportunity to buy uh, some raffle tickets for that. For a single ticket, it's £4.95. The draw for the um, competition is due to end on Monday, the 8th of February at 7.30. However, if it's the case that they sell all tickets out before that, they will bring the draw forward. Please make sure that if you're interested in doing this, go ahead, jump on and buy a couple of tickets. Adam, are you okay to continue on with the rest of the pod or are you just off to footballprizes.co.uk now? I can do both. I can do both. Okay, cool. Go on over and check it out, folks. Hi folks and welcome to Heart and Hand Extra. This is your favourite Rangers podcast bringing you a little uh, bite-sized show during the week as we do a review of our game uh, last night against St Johnson Ibrox and a little bit of a preview uh, for Sunday's game uh, against Hamilton Ackies. Joining me is my favourite tactics boffin, all-round good egg and Cooper Trooper lookalike, Mr Adam Thornton. Adam, how are you today? Are you well and good? I'm both well and good. Yes, I'm off the back of uh, another very satisfying one 0 win for Rangers, and we're we're counting down the the days and minutes now. I think so. Yeah, I'm good. Excellent, excellent. I'm glad to hear it, and probably counting down the 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 days and games to hopefully been able to try and win the league. What's your confidence level at, at the moment, Adam? Are you starting to realise that it's going to happen? Oh. Yeah, I think we'll we'll definitely we'll definitely finish in the top two now, surely. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I would think I'm so. very very confident um, now. I think as we we stand on the the precipice, I think realistically um, it's going to take a monumental achievement 
uh, for Celtic to even delay it. Never mind, uh, never mind, win it. So yeah, I'm feeling very good. I'm actually just quite anxious to get get it over the line and and start to to celebrate it. To be honest, so I know we're we're going to talk about how how many games, permutations, etc. Um, just as soon as possible, please. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks. So well, listen, let's talk about last night now. Before we get into the game. I think it would be remiss of us not to mention that there were some uh, technical issues. I think it's easy to, to kind of put it into regarding uh, Rangers TV login uh, and the guys who are uh, going through the virtual season tickets at the moment. Rangers have uh, made amendments to the uh, the platform broadcaster that they were using Rangers TV for. And as part of the overall app and website redevelopment, they are now looking to create a single sign-on. Um, they had given us plenty of time to be able to make sure that we uh, had taken the appropriate action to be able to go in and re-register email and sign in addresses. However, there were still some teething problems last night, Adam. Um, not a problem for you, because you were in and quite good. I had several of them, which you were probably quite happy about, because you thought, well, that's good, I'm glad Cammy can't get to see it. Uh, but the reaction in social media was that I was not alone um, in my uh, frustration and not being able to try and get signed in. I don't want to fixate on this too much. You, you can't really smoke test for these things. It's very, very difficult to be able to do unless there's a, 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 a you know, a huge number that that, that that tried to log on or tried to get onto the site at the time. I think all I'd simply put it into is make sure that we fix the problems and you've had your tester. We're not doing it again. Yeah, uh, it wasn't it wasn't great at all. I understand single sign on uh, as a concept it's definitely the the right way to go um I, I know you mentioned the smoke testing there i would i would assume load balancing was done we would have known roughly how many people would have been logging on so um i would assume some sort of performance testing would have taken place i actually think um i haven't heard the, the ins and outs of it i know the, the club are looking at it but in terms of what went wrong i don't actually believe it was the single sign on aspect of it because that kind of seemed to to go okay, I think it was more. Um, they, they mentioned the, the vendor in terms of the the feed. I might be be wrong on that one. I, I don't know if it was more to do with the, the actual RTV feeds itself rather than that connection. But I'm sure we'll we'll find out. But I, I don't think it's good enough. Um, I got the first 35 minutes or so. In fact, I think I think up to maybe 39 minutes, uh, and then it, it died on me for those five minutes or so, and then thankfully it came back right on the the start of the second half. Um, I don't think the communication was ideal either. Um, people had been flagging issues since uh, 7 o'clock, I'm sure, or quarter past 7, people were waiting to get in. Um, the log out of every device and, and log back in on one um, was a bit of a challenge, I think, for some people that might be fl- flipped back and forwards. If they're used to like Sky, for example, or, or BT Sport, that you can just log in and leave yourself logged in on some of them. I think that probably was made clear, but you know what it's like. These things probably need to be a bit more um, crystal clear. I think they did a good job of communicating. I think it's just unfortunate. I I don't know the ins and outs in terms of whether it was the single sign-on issue or whether it was the vendor, but fans don't really care Um, at that point. Changing in the middle of the season uh, is a bit strange, but if it's preparation work to be able to um, improve things over the the summer as well as part of an ongoing infrastructure upgrade then then fair enough but yeah not acceptable uh, and hopefully um, by the time we have the next game we're, we're back to normal because it has on the whole been working very well this season yeah absolutely has absolutely has I'd also like to give a wee shout out as well I don't know if you guys have heard the story or not um, but I'd also like to give a wee shout out to the gentleman at the Hamilton Ackies game who um, came back for the second half and promptly said in his co comms for the Hamilton uh, TV feed he'd been away for a for a, a jobby, 
And then Hamilton later on that night then said he'll not be back, not be back on Colcoms again. Adam, um, bit shit, eh? Really shit? What is it? You're not allowed to do any jobbies anymore? No, that is, I mean, I, I did listen to it. It was I didn't really understand the context of it because he mentioned in terms of his his mic not being not not being switched off, but then he went on to see it again. So I'm, I'm not sure if he got away with it, and then he reiterated it. I don't know, but yes, yeah, it's, it's it's funny. I mean, it's it's funny, but I, I guess if it was us, I don't think we'd be too too impressed with it, would we? No, no, I don't think so. And um, and also as a wee shout out as well to the St Johnson. Uh, commentator, so I, I was kind of watching the first part of the game on last night when my TV feed wasn't going to be working. Um, thank you, uh, because I definitely know what it's like to watch a football game, but listen to a eulogy at a funeral at the same time. Listen, we, we move on, we move on. We're here to talk about Rangers, so let's do that. Um, Adam, an interesting um, lineup, I think, and I'm keen to kind of get your your, your tactical background to it, that uh, we, we moved into to a, a midfield which dropped Joe Aribo back a step and brought in Yanis Hadji. I thought that was quite a positive move, if I'm being honest, well, in terms of uh, being able to, to, to kind of take the game to St. Johnson and, and, and look quite attacking. Um, were you comfortable with that in terms of uh, slotting him back into the midfield and, and allowing him a bit of, kind of more possession, but we had you in front of him just to, just to try and open up slightly and give us some different options? I, I was comfortable with it. Um, it. It's an approach that worked quite well against Ross County. I think it was pretty much the same lineup. Uh, Jack for Kamara, I think, would have been the the only change. But I, I want to see Itton getting a getting a run of games. He has prowess, I guess, as an impact sub is maybe going against him there. We spoke about that um, in the the Potters group chat the other day that he does so well coming off the bench that sometimes you don't really want to interrupt that. Um, but I just want to see him get a wee run of games because I think he's looked really, really good in the the, the short periods that we've seen him. Um, any runs of games, he's not had a run of games. Sorry, in terms of starts, I don't think he started two in a row. I'm sure he's only maybe started three games, um, maximum. So I, I was hoping we'd see that over this run of games. Um, Roof didn't have the best of games. He didn't quite look up to speed. Um, at least he got uh, a decent uh, run out. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see Itton in the next game. Um, well, I would be surprised because he's maybe not had the opportunities that, that I think he deserves, but I, I think it would be good to see him. But as far as, as last night goes, we can't really uh, complain on it. We we played the right team. I think Aribo ended up playing two or three different roles as the match progressed. It's good he's got that, that flexibility. Um, and he was one of the better performers on the night. Well, we, we can kind of talk about Ruth in just a second because there obviously was a, a particular discussion point in the game but I thought that we, we started pretty brightly um, in terms of how we could come into it. Now there's a lot of conversations happening about pitches at the moment I don't think ours is looking particularly great um, it's the time of year, it's the weather we kind of know that's what happens, it's certainly not as bad as, as Easter Road, a counterbalance to the idea of you know artificial pitches and, and, and whatever else have you. I think what it impacts us most though Adam is that we've got a lot of players you know, Avribo, Stephen Davis, Hadji, Ken, Tav, Barris, these guys who like to run with the ball and be able to try and do so over significant, you know, uh, distances and stuff as well when they're looking to be able to either come down the wing or cut inside, playing, you know, through the middle of the park to be able to try and drive that forward. It impacts you when you're dribbling and it can also impact you when you're looking to be able to try and pass the ball. Um, is the best way to be able to try and get around that is just make sure that we're doing some some shorter, sharper passes, but making sure that the pass is actually complete and, and get to the man because sometimes these pitches can be difficult to trust. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. It's not quite as bad as it was uh, this time last season, the pitch, but it's it's not ideal. It should still be 
good enough for us to to not really impinge too much on our game, but it's definitely something I think that we we need to take into account. It's I, I don't know about you, but I, I take into account these these things a lot less watching from from home. Um, I think it was was it Gary McAllister or Michael Beale maybe tweeted last night terrible conditions etc. When you're sitting on your couch and the blinds are shut etc. You don't really appreciate sometimes that um, how cold it is or or how wet it is unless you actually physically see it um, like standardly is away. So um, these kind of things that you would just know automatically by being at the game and experiencing it are maybe things that we don't take into account. But yeah, I think that's fair. I think. As well, we need to probably mix it up a little bit more in terms of um, our mid to long range passing and try and um, get players turning and running in behind, particularly if the ball's going to stick on the surface or it's going to be slippy if we play it in a bit longer. It, it could give us more of a, an opportunity. So I think, you're, I think you're right, but I think there's also an opportunity to mix it up a little bit too. Across the course of the game, we, we did have um, some 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 good opportunities. Um, Ryan Kent was unlucky with one. Connor Goldson as well with a, with an opportunity just literally right in front of goal where he opened up his body a bit too much. Uh, it was a game which I think was, uh, you know, to use an old uh, Scottish phrase, a bit stodgy. But one particular incident which kind of happened in the in the first half, which which did draw a lot of kind of conversation, was the aforementioned Kamal Roof's tackle um, on on Davidson. Um, personally speaking, I. I I think they were always keen, especially in heart and hand, to, to provide a, a, an impartial view with a slight bias towards us. But we can call a spade a spade. And I think that, for me, he was fortunate not to see a red card. I don't think it, he, he went in with an intent. I think it was reckless, more than intentional, to be able to try and hurt him. I looked back across the, 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 the beginning of the game and, and just tried to see whether or not there was any kind of needle. Because one other thing that came out to me in that, Adam, was... I don't think Kamal Roof's not a dirty player and I don't think he's went in purposely to do him. However, if that had happened and it happened accidentally, I would have expected him to maybe give him a bit of a tap or give him an apology, you know, an apology or something. He kind of just tends to move away from him a wee bit and I don't know if that's an implication of guilt. I've, I'm not really too sure, but I didn't know or certainly didn't see if there was any kind of needle between the two of them that maybe built up and then it led into that. Seeing the challenge, you think it was a red? Yeah, on the... On the first view or, or on the, the replays, um, there's a, another St. Johnson player's leg that kind of obscures um, your view a little bit, but certainly if you, you can see from from the angle of Roof's leg and the angle of the player's leg, I think there's a there's a still, which always looks a bit worse, but there's a still in one of the papers this morning which shows the connection. So, I mean, regardless, you see on Twitter, what about Ray and what about this person? What about that person? Yes, everybody is aware he was trying to shield the ball and, and do that movie's arse into him thing that he does, but he didn't do it. He, he made a mistake. It, it doesn't matter whether he was trying to do something or not. Like it, it, The ball was too far away from him to do that, so he's ended up having to lose control of his leg and put it in the wrong place. He's, he's taken a risk by doing that in the first place when the ball is, has moved. So you can what about Ray as, as much as you like that's a red card whether it's intentional whether he means it or not it's I think dangering um, putting the opponent into danger there um, so for me I think he's he's lucky not to have been sent off for it I mean his first touch takes the ball away from him it's poor and then yeah, I think you're right he does try to shield it he does try to, to, to put himself between man and ball and, and again like you say it doesn't look good and when you see it in the, in the replay and stuff as well, I don't know. Do you think he was frustrated in terms of how he was playing at that point? I don't. I don't think he was frustrated because of the, that individual poor touch. I mean, I mean, that's just a mistake. You carry on going with it. Probably but a it part just of looked it. 
he, he just looked a bit, do you know what I mean? Like he kind of looked at it like as if he was cutting a bit of a, a frustrated figure at that kind of point when he was walking away from the from the incident and stuff. I, I don't know, because normally his touch is, 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 is exceptional. Um, but I think, like you say, it just felt a little bit to me. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. No, I think, maybe, I think you're right. He probably, probably, if you think about the mindset then, he's maybe he wasn't playing particularly well. Um, and he's taking that poor touch and he's trying to make up for it. And by making up for it, he's, I don't want to say lose, lost control in the sense it's red mist. Absolutely not. It's that he's 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 tried to overextend himself, and by doing that, he's he's maybe lost control of the the movement of his body and and the ball um, as well. So I think it's maybe just trying too hard to win the ball back uh, has resulted in it. Um, well, the, the the Rangers TV login issues clearly had uh, made their way uh, out to the players because there wasn't really much to kind of talk about in the first half. But once RTV had managed to get its act together and uh, we were able to log in to watch the second half, uh, that's when I think the game kind of sprung to life, and particularly in the 53rd minute, when Yanis Hadji, uh, in what is almost becoming a kind of trademark move now, Adam, uh, picks up the ball on the right-hand side, has a look uh, in terms of what you can put within the box, but it's a very, very crowded area with St Johnson players obviously trying to get behind the ball. Uh, he drives forward about 15 yards uh, in line with the 18-yard box uh, and is able to, to find a gap between the, the, the defence midfield that's crowding that box and then uh, slot the ball home to give us the, the, the lead. A great goal, in my opinion, for the, the, the fact that he took the gamble and the fact that he was able to work the space to be able to try and put into it. He's very, very good at being able to try and do that. Had we conceded a goal like that from a player who scores goals like that, I'd be willing to bet you, you'd be asking, why are we not going out and pressing him? Yeah, it's difficult. We had you. That's that's why I, I quite like him when he when he plays on that wide right. I think he's, he's, his position as number 10 um, should always be uh, the preferred option, but he, he's, he's pretty good out there. Um, I like the fact that he's two-footed, so he can go on the outside or he can come come inside and, and do something like that. It's very, very similar to his first goal uh, against Braga. Um, I think that will obviously get a bit more acclaim given that what that game went on to to do and he, he hits that off the post which is always a little bit nicer of a finish but um, I wouldn't have thought, I know we had some chances I, I maybe slightly disagree on how good those chances were uh, in the first half I think Kent's fair enough but some of the other ones I think are, are half chances at, at best um, but he, he takes that chance I like the way that he uses three, four, five players uh, in front of him to, to guide it in the corner. We know, I think, that, that Xander Clark is one of the poorest or poorer uh, goalkeepers in the league. I don't think we tested him anywhere near enough um, in the game. So I think you see what happens when you have someone like Hadji who's, who's willing to take a risk and take a shot. We've got guys like Kent um, uh, and guys like Davis and, and even guys like Aribo to be honest I know he's slightly a bit more unpredictable but but they're all neat and tidy and they like to pass and they like to to do little one-twos etc we've got someone like Hadji who is a bit more off the cuff uh, in that sense and he can do things like that and, and make things happen and I really think that's a key thing um, really over the last two months or so um, we haven't quite been at our fluid best in, in many of those games um, but We've had big moments from from key players to to win those games. You think of Itton against Motherwell uh, before Christmas. You think of Roof a couple of times. You think of uh, some of the fullbacks stepping up. Um, Aribo as well and and Hadji too. When we're not at our best, um, over the last what twelve to fifteen games, time and time again, a, a player and a different player crucially 
is popping up to give us a, a moment or two of magic in the game and, and given the defensive records, that is really all we need at the minute. Well, it's interesting because I, I do also want to make a, a kind of big point on that exactly as you just mentioned about big moments from big players uh, because uh, slightly later on in the game, uh, Craig Bryson is able to uh, generate a, a fairly good opportunity in terms of creating himself some space. He hits a, a left shot with his left foot, low down by Alan McGregor's left-hand side, uh, but 39-year-old Alan McGregor looks like an 18-year-old when he immediately drops to the deck, gets the hand out and gets the save. Um, I wanted to talk about that specifically, Adam, because I know that we've put a lot of focus on the clean sheets and I know that, listen, it can't ever be you know overstated about how important Alan McGregor is for us. Um, I grew up in the 90s watching this. I grew up watching guys like uh, like Woods and Gorham having to, to pretty much, they could sit in a deck chair and watch the game playing in front of them. But if they had to make one save, they had to make it. That's that's the life of a Rangers goalkeeper. Alan McGregor is absolutely in that camp. We know that. But I think that when we're talking about clean sheets, when we're talking about the goals that we've conceded, um, there's a big focus on when you've got players who make game-changing um, contributions for you. I, I'll, I'll play a little bit of kind of devil's advocate by saying that, you know, theoretically, if St. Johnson had equalised, I think we had enough in the tank to be able to go up and get another goal and then move up a gear to get the win. So I'm not saying that, you know, we would have systematically dropped points as a result of McGregor not being able to save that. But he's a big part of these clean sheets that we've got. He's a big part of that team. And, you know, he's never going to get the acclaim of a goal scorer. But I, I think we absolutely have to give him credit for circumstances like that where he's totally switched on his focus and his concentration are there um it was a good shot from Bryson and he even said in the post-match afterwards he goes you know I thought I did everything right uh but you're gonna have to do something special to beat Alan McGregor and that is a staple of him as a player and, and what he's done for Rangers oh of course um 100% I think you're you're spot on that we we talk about the how crucial it is being a, a Rangers defender because you make a mistake and, and it, it can be crucial given how, how high risk we play. Um, but it, it's almost less, well, it is less crucial because you know you've got someone who nine times out of ten is going to pull you out of hole. His concentration levels are incredible um, and he hasn't shown any sign of, of waning at all. Um, it's three years he's been here and he, he, he's playing exactly the same as he was when he when he came back in, so I really don't know how long he can he can keep going. Um, I think it's going to be one of these things where when he decides he, he wants to retire, uh, he will, but I could quite easily see him being here for um, another year or two. Uh, it all depends on what goals he wants. If he wants to obviously win a title and then maybe play again in the Champions League, that could extend it, but I think it's going to be down to him. I think he'll have that jersey for as, as long as he's, he's capable or as long as he wants to. Um, and yeah, again, it's just similar last night. I think St. Johnson had more shots on target for us and, and six months ago even, I would be wailing and gnashing about that and saying that's not acceptable, blah, blah, blah. But we're just at a stage now where we just trust everybody, really. We trust um, that it's it's okay if we have a, a, a turgid first half and we score a goal that nine times out of ten might not go in and, and then we kind of sit back and not necessarily defend a lead or sit too deep. We just conserve and we just shut the game down. Um, we're at the stage of the season now where we trust the team. We trust that they'll get the job done. Um, and give me another six one nils like that every day of the week. It's absolutely fine. Well, it's, it's interesting you mention that because I think what we've kind of discussed as we've been going through our various, uh, you know, post-match reviews uh, and, and assessing the kind of performance, it feels to me 
that when we do that assessment, we assess the performance, we, we look at the result, and and you're right, we're not at a point any longer where we're you know worried about uh, shit in the bed and and dropping points or whatever. We trust the team to be able to do what they need to do, and you'll only get rid of that anxiety and that fear by the team proving to you that they can do that, which they've done a number of times across the course of the season now. What I think is interesting, though, is that we talk about the performance. Um, Yanis Hadji came out last night after the game and said, you know, we're not going to win games three or four, four nil. And, and listen, he's absolutely right. Of course, we understand that. But we're now in this kind of middle point where I think that it could be said that we could be critical of the performance because we're not saying that we're playing badly because the three points is the three points. I think when you look at that versus how we played at Easter Road, where there was some phenomenal passages of play, really, really great passages of play. I'm perfectly happy with last night in terms of where we're at. Yeah, we could say, right, well, what's the point in turning on loads of flair and blah, blah, but you've hit the key word for me. We have to conserve this because in a couple of weeks, when we get back into uh, the Europa League fixtures, um, I don't think that we have to be able to try and do that constant high-intensity stuff because, again, like you say, we need to be able to try and effectively manage our resources. We've had quite a few... uh, knocks and injuries, uh, players missing, which is just running the mill through the course of the season. But now as we're talking about getting back into properly competitive games, i.e. Europe, the conservation of that energy, I think, is key for me. So I'm perfectly happy about what happened last night and, and, and how we went about our business. I think it's key, uh, especially when you look at the, the the last two years, right about this time, and we can talk about... Um, Dubai, we can talk about running out of steam, we can talk about mentality, all that sort of stuff, but we did. Um, and the only evidence that we've got is that in the first two halves of those seasons, we weren't as mature as a team or we didn't have enough players to be able to do what we did last night. We we had to go full throttle in every game, both technically, physically and, and mentally, to, to win games. Um, I said about six months ago that the start, maybe not six months ago, four or five months ago, that the, the start we'd made to this season was better than last season, despite results being roughly the same. But if you look at how we cruised the Europa group, like group stages, we, we, we cruised through up until, um, I would say, first week in December, really, in terms of of the league. We had a couple of sticky bits, fair enough. But compared to the year before, everything was full throttle and everything was high energy and we had to be on it every single game and, and it was boom or bust on everything from very, very early doors this year. It's felt much more controlled and we've had games like yesterday where we aren't at our best but we find a way to win. We've got an important player that pops up and and gets us a goal. So everything is a bit more controlled now and I think we're just seeing the other side of that now. We're seeing a team who, when they need to be on it 100%, they can up their levels within a game and, and win the game. But games like last night when you get the goal and it gets to half an hour to go, um, we've got a big window, a big schedule coming up, um, European games, etc. Gary McAllister mentioned as well post-match, if we get an opportunity where we think we can contain a game for half an hour and conserve energy, get a few legs rested, get a couple of bodies on and, and, and get some minutes in those legs, then I think we're trusting the team well enough that, that they're looking at the bigger picture now and they can afford to do that. Um, with that in mind, then obviously we're looking forward to, to Hamilton on Sunday. I'll do a little bit more of a 
a longer term view uh, in just a second. But as we look towards uh, a trip to, what is it called this week? Is it the Fountain of Youth Stadium still? Or have they changed that? I can't remember. But anyway, uh, as we look forward to, to Hamilton on midday and Sunday, are you comfortable then that we do the same element of, of that control? Do you want us to be able to try and, and set ourselves up for the Europa League coming back by smacking in tons of goals? Because I've got to, I've got to kind of come back to the idea of let's use our resources effectively. If we beat Hamilton one 0 or five 0 I'll be honest with you, as as almost as as condescending as I said, I'm not really that fussed. I just want the three points. I just want another step towards the title. If the team needs to score loads of goals to give players a boost, okay, fair enough. But I actually think the three points now will give them more of a boost because it's just another game off the list. Yeah. Um... Hamilton is, I guess, slightly different in that we always play well against Hamilton and we always tend to to score a decent amount of goals. So I think I'd be expecting that that anyway. We do relatively well at that at that stadium. Um, so I'm expecting to see Arivo, Haji, Itten, um, Jack, uh, those kind of players that maybe haven't been first team regulars throughout the season, whether it's been injury or, or form of, of other players. I'm expecting to see them carrying on. I think we might possibly see Balogun in this game too, just to com- complete that, that rotation piece for, for them. I'm expecting to see that happening. Um, next game after that, I think Kamarnock at home will be pretty similar to what we've seen last night. Um, and I think as far as the next game after that, which is the, the European game, I think we'll then start to see what I-class is the big game team which if Arfield is, is fit, I think he needs to come back into that midfield along with um, Kamara and Davis. And then I think we'll see, again, all being well, Morelos, Roof and, and Kent as the front three. I think that's served us very well. Um, I think as an away game, that's that's something that I think we would possibly look to do. So I think there will still be a wee bit of chopping and changing, but you can start to see a bit of a pattern developing um, in the players that he's using in certain games, whether it's home against the top six, away against the top six, home against the bottom six, Europe, etc. You can kind of start to to figure out roughly who's who's going to play. You might do one or two that surprise you if it's for rotational reasons in terms of fitness, etc. But in terms of the players to, to win those games, I think pretty much we've been spot on so far this season. So I think we'll, we'll see that continuing. Well, as we as we talk about kind of upcoming games domestically, uh, last night's result now means um, that we are 17 points required uh, to declare. And um, coincidentally, Adam, that means then that, that would probably land on our sixth fixture, which happens to be um, away at the uh, Sharkhead. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I know that there's a lot of kind of uh, focus on, well, that'd be great to win the league at Parkhead and blah, 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 what have you. I understand all of that. I'll be honest with you, I don't think it's going to happen because I think we'll win the league before then. And the reason why I think that is for two reasons. First of all, I think we had to drop, we, we have to kind of lose five games, um, which right now the chances of me losing weight are probably more likely than us dropping points at the moment because we're playing that well. And the second thing is that if it's the case that people don't, for whatever reason, haven't remembered this, but we're still in the kind of midst of the, the Neil Francis Lennon no fucks given tour. Um, he has an unbelievable level of, of fixtures kind of coming up. He's away to Dingwall. He's got to play Aberdeen twice. This has all got to happen before we play them. Um, you're asking a Celtic team that have completely checked out 
uh, to be able to try and get maximum points from the next games. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that we will go to uh, to Parkhead as, as champions. Um, but my question to you is, do you feel then at this point it's just a case of that's fine, just let it get it done and dusted, or would you like us to be able to to have it confirmed uh, um, in that old firm game on, on the 21st of March? Yes, I think the, the main thing is they've they've obviously got two more games than us over that period too. So so while we only have the five, they've got seven. Um, they've got St Mirren away, which I don't think is they're having a great season, and and Preston is set from the last game. I think we know what what they'll do against them. So could be a challenge there. Um, St Johnson away were they were good last season, last night. The the thing I think we're maybe forgetting is we don't need them really to necessarily get beat in every single game. I, I think I can see Celtic draw in every game at the minute. If they don't get that early goal for whatever reason, then I think it's similar to how Rangers were this time last season and that teams will know if they can either keep them quiet or, or attack them, then there are um, chances for them and, and teams are fighting for their life. So um, it's a bit different now for them. Um, so I think you're right. I think if I'm being realistic about it, um, Yes, uh, if they win seven and we win five, it, it comes down to that game, and I believe Celtic need to avoid defeat um, in that. But I think realistically, we're probably looking at um, St Mirren at home or maybe Livingston away for us uh, as being the games. But given that, like I said, Celtic play twice when we don't, there's also a very real possibility that one of those games may result in us being champions when we're we're not playing. So. There are a lot of, of permutations there, but if I was gambling on it, I, I would say um, at the minute, I would see Livingston away, um, but we'll, we'll see how things go. With that in mind, and I think that we're, we're comfortable enough at the moment that we can we can call ourselves a champions elect, right? So let's do that with, with all confidence. Um, I'm interested to get your kind of feeling on We've spoken a lot around the kind of focus will now come into, you know, once we once we win the league, the remaining fixtures after that, we've obviously completed with the, the transfer window closing on, on Monday. Can I say closing or do I have to say slammed shut? And kind of Jim White style, do, do I have to do that or, or kind of tabloid it? Yeah, I think uh, Jim Shite on uh, one of the podlers, Simon, will, will have something to say. If you just say closed, it has to be slammed shut. I think that's yeah, the slam slammed shut and listening to Harry Redknapp talking about fax machines and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, the point is that uh, we obviously brought in uh, Jack Simpson and Scott Wright. They were on pre-contracts, but we've brought them in now. Um, so they're already kind of getting acclimatised into the, the playing squad. It does raise a question around if we if we get the league confirmed, that, you know, whenever that happens, do we then start to shift a bit of focus on looking at longer-term records? Because we've only conceded seven domestic goals so far this season in the league. I think, if I'm right in saying, doing a very, very quick sense check about this, I think Celtic's main record outside of wartime, you know, within the last 100 years, without Rangers being in the league, their actual real proper record, I think, was 18 goals conceded under Anil in 2001-2002. Don't take that as gospel, folks. I'm just I'm just doing some very quick research into it. We obviously had a, a chat earlier on uh, with some of the other podders about Chelsea's record, which I think was something like 15 or 16 goals under Mourinho in, in, in 38 matches. Uh, 25 clean sheets also, I think, were, were, were Chelsea's record at that point. So I suppose my question is, where's that, do you think, in a priority list post winning the league? As in, do you want to continue going for that? Is that something that we should care about? Or is it a case of, look, we've won the league, 
we can get the new guys into a game. We could potentially get some of the youth into a game, although you won't want that because that means dropping Tav for Nathan Patterson. Um, or is it a case of no? Let's let's show what this team can really do and let's set some some new records. Um, uh, if the league is won and we don't know what what's happening with the Scottish Cup, um, but if if the league is won, um, and and we we don't have a Scottish Cup to contend with and we're out of Europe, for example, then absolutely, I think the clean sheet record needs to be the the main priority. However, if we are still in Europe uh, and still in the Scottish Cup. Um, I'd be looking to to manage the team um, and have the league games as the the lower priority, and and have some um, some of the new signings coming in, such as Wright and Simpson, and supplementing that with Bassey, with Patterson, with um, uh, any of the other players that we've got um, there that can come in and, and lighten the load a little bit. I, I I would be looking for that. Um, it would be great to have that that clean sheet record um, and and goals conceded record as well, um, but. I think that needs to be the priority. But to be honest, I don't see him resting guys like Goldson um, and and guys like Tavernier, etc. So McGregor, so possibly doesn't really matter if you change a couple of the parts because if we have the core of the six or seven there that that know how it how it works, how the defensive structure is, and we just supplement it once or twice, I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. So I certainly think those records are on. I did think until we had those two goals conceded in two games in a row um, last month that, that possibly single figures would have been uh, achievable. Um, now I'm I'm not too sure on that one given that would only really be um, two goals conceded in the next nine, eleven games, sorry, which does seem a little bit unrealistic when you think of how many of those games are going to be uh, dead rubbers. But I certainly think the those records that you mentioned are, are there and I think the clean sheet one were pretty much a bit not far off that right now, are we, in terms of the clean sheet record? So I think that will definitely get get broken before the split as well. Yeah, I think we are on, now I think I'm right in saying it's either 21 or 22 clean sheets. So yeah, that's certainly within grasp. Um, interesting, because I think the, uh, although we're, we're, we're very, very focused on making sure that the, the, the league is about to be handed to us uh, because of, of how well that we've played, and we've absolutely earned that right. There's no doubt about that, because, as we mentioned earlier on, the, the, the movement between performances and results, but we've been incredibly consistent this season in terms of getting uh, getting games won. Just, I think, really great for the defenders and the goalkeepers involved. And I mean, everybody within that, whether it's Patterson, Tav, McLaughlin, Bassey, etc., everyone playing their part within that. I think would would be a, a a phenomenal achievement for them to be able to try and pick up those records, like certainly across the UK as well. Um, okay, Adam. Well, listen, that is uh, nearly us. Before you go, as always, do with my guests on extra. Um, I would love a score prediction from you, please. And because it's you, I am not going to allow you to pick James Tavernier as a goal scorer. Oh, because um... you would have said to him automatically, "I want to throw you a curveball." I would jail for for I'll just annoy the people that think he should come off penalties. I'll I'll say he'll get a hat trick of penalties on on Sunday. But um no, I think in all seriousness, uh, I'd like to see it and getting a start. And I think if he does, I think he'd be good for a for a couple of goals. It'd be good to get Roof some more minutes uh, as well. I think, given what we said there in terms of the the game and given our, our record against Hamilton away, there's usually a lot of goals. I'm going to go for four nil. I like that. I like that confidence. I'll share your four nil. And I'll say, who can I pick? I'll pick, I'll say Joe Aribo. Um, I'll go for a Borna free kick and then it can. I'll, I'll share it. I'll not be greedy. I'll say Ruth and Itten can get a goal each and then take it from there. So, do, you yes, know who, do, you know who won't, do you know who won't score? Who won't score? 
Kyle Lafferty. <laughs> Always a dig. Oh, I think he's in a free contract. There's still time to sign him up. I mean, I don't, I don't want to necessarily say that I have to go and tell Ross Wilson how to do his job, but the fact that we don't have Kyle Lafferty back in the Rangers team, I mean, genuinely, there should be heads should roll. That's all I'm going to say, Mister Wilson, if you're listening to this. Uh, but listen. Um, if, uh, if you'd like to hear more from uh, myself and Adam, and uh, Adam, uh, tell the folks a little bit around your uh, Brilliant Tactics Works with Ali and also uh, your Scouting Report show and stuff as well and where they can check that out. Yeah, so we had a, a Tactics Talk out on Tuesday night on, on Patreon, which uh, had a look at the next evolution of the team in terms of different different things that we could do tactically to take us on to the the next level. Um, focused on maybe getting a bit more uh, attacking intent from midfield, maybe having a, a focus number 10, uh, maybe looking at ways that we can potentially bring wingers back into the team, traditional wingers, maybe a target man. So looking at tweaks and improvements that we could make um, that might make us even more flexible than we are uh, as a team. So that was out on Tuesday at 7 o'clock. Um, we also have a scout report show, which myself and, and Dougie Wright do, which takes a look at players um, from around the world that, that Rangers could uh, and, and should potentially sign. So we've had two of those so far. We've had goalkeepers and we've had centre-backs. We also had a bit of a, a scouting profile of Jack Simpson within that and Ben Davies, who was rumoured for Rangers very close to Celtic, but went to Liverpool, so he's in there as well in terms of a, a breakdown of his skill set. Um, the next one of those, which will be focused on the fullbacks, will probably last about 15 hours and will be um, out in the next couple of weeks. So that's that's my shows on Patreon for the last couple of weeks. Uh, as I said, you can get us at, at patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. Yep, and that's only a small portion of the amount of content you can get for that for as little as two quid a month. So if you're not over there already, why not come over and join us as a community of over uh, 5,000, in fact, it's nearly 5,500 bears as we're kind of talking about it at the moment. Um, and let's uh, get the league into victory. We've got 17 points to go, folks. Um, and I am very, very comfortable that we are going to be able to to uh, get that league title within our hands. Hopefully this, hopefully this side of Easter, I think that will be comfortable to say because we are not dropping points and we've been relentless. So well done to the management team and also all of the playing staff. It's been a fantastic effort. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with the with the flagship with David. Um, look forward to to Sunday's game. Um, one also small brief amendment as well, just before I forget, is that it was announced today that the Celtic game has moved to. March the 21st, I know I mentioned that date earlier on, but it's moved to March the 21st, which is a Sunday uh, for TV coverage. I think everybody could have guessed that that was going to happen. Um, but yeah, it moved to a 12 o'clock kickoff on Sunday the 21st of March. So uh, just to make sure and stick that in your diaries in case you haven't uh, updated it yet. Adam, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Cammy. Thank you to our executive producers in London, Mr Knightley and Mr Paul Myers, and we'll be back with you on Monday, folks. Thanks. <laughs> Podcast Network.